Hey, everybody, we are here to tell you about a cool new feature on the website that we would love for you to check out. Head to howtosplitatoaster.com and check out the bottom of the page. You'll find a box floating there that says, quote, ask Seth and Pete, close quote. This box is magical. You just type a question in there and the robots behind the scenes will search the actual audio of our entire library of past episodes and not only give you a short answer to your question, but point you to the specific episodes where we discussed your topic so you can listen yourself. At this point, we're just testing it. To know if this feature should be a permanent feature on the website, we need your help. For that, we need you to ask a lot of questions. So head to howtosplitatoaster.com and click the box, Ask Seth and Pete. The robots will do the rest. On with the show. Welcome to How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships from True Story FM. Today, learning how to behave around the new toaster coordinator in your home. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Seth Nelson. As always, I'm here with my good friend, Pete Wright. If you have minor kids in your divorce, you're likely going to be working in some capacity with a parent coordinator. Today, we're going to go back to the basics, though. What does the parent coordinator do? What are their responsibilities? And how do they relate to the court and the legal process? Today, Pete gets schooled on parent coordination. Okay, that was a little hardcore. I did, there was a little too much plosive in Pete. Well, just saying. Okay, I, I feel like I got a finger wag. I can redo on that it one. today. Pete gets schooled in parent coordination. <laughs> now we're introducing a WWE fight. Awesome. Look, you know what? I I feel like we we had we've talked about parent coordination in the past, and we we had a guest, a wonderful guest on the show, uh, who talked about uh, her role as a parent coordinator and. Uh, but I, I feel like we haven't done a 101 episode in, in a while on this particular topic, and it has come up in recent episodes. I want to go back to basics and figure out what I need to know about parent coordinators, what I need to, uh, uh, how I need to relate to them, what I need to be scared of, what are they telling the court? What, what is it? What's it all about? Okay, Seth? so parent coordination is like an air traffic controller, trying to keep all the planes in the air, land them smoothly, no one wants to crash. Okay. Nowhere does an air does an airline pilot when he's talking to the air traffic controller get into an argument with him, saying this is what I should be doing instead, because he's seen all the other planes flying. That's mm-hmm. the analogy we're going to use today. Because here's the deal: a parent coordination tries to help parents who don't live under the same roof coordinate how they parent the children. Because there's so much conflict that we've talked about between parents. They try to stay child-focused and solve problems that the court system is not set up to solve. So here's some positives about a parent coordination. Good. Faster than the court system. Cheaper than the court system. If you're unable to resolve the problems... The court system is still open. And at least in Florida, check your local jurisdiction. The court will listen to the parent coordinator and come in there and say, who's the problem here? Mm -hmm. And that's a key factor. So let's back up 
and say, if you're going to parent coordination, how do you view the parent coordinator? This is the wrong way to view the parent coordinator. They're going to fix my my co-parent. Okay. My co-parent is extremely difficult, always crashing the planes, always burning them to the ground. They're going to fix them wrong yeah they are not i no longer need to i no longer need to have problems or or fight because my parent coordinator is going to fight my battles for correct wrong that's not what they do okay okay the way i express to my clients if you're going to parent coordination this is what your mindset should be parent coordinator i'm here because i have a really difficult time co-parenting with this person I feel like the things I'm doing are reasonable. Obviously, I've made mistakes. Obviously, I think I maybe can improve on my communication. But what can I do? Give me some skills to deal with this very difficult, non-rational, emotional, abusive, narcissistic parent that I'm stuck with. Because it's all about how you respond and react. Okay. It's all about how you communicate. Because that's ultimately what parent coordination is supposed to do. So here are terms that I tell people to take out of their vocabulary. The word court, such as, I'll just tell it to the judge, I'll see you in court. Not helpful in trying to solve disputes. Yeah, those are terms we don't, not even in parent coordination. I think you advocate getting rid of those writ large. Let's, Let's not use those words anymore. Exactly. All right. Terms you should use. We're having an issue on deciding on an extracurricular activity. Here's why I think this activity is important for our child. Here are my concerns about this activity and why I don't want to do this for our child, whatever the case may be. And you just lay them out in bullet point fashion. We had an example um, yeah, not too long ago. I, I think you brought it up where there was a um, we had two parents and they both wanted their child to play soccer and signed them up for two different soccer leagues. And uh, I'm, I'm wondering what role a parent coordinator could have slash should have played in navigating that particular thing. Well, I can tell you exactly where that came up is Tammy Sparr, the amazing mediator that mm-hmm. we had on the show, talks about that all the time. Uh, in Tampa Bay, mm-hmm. there is Pinellas County, St. Petersburg, think of, and then there's Tampa, Hillsborough County. Mm-hmm. It's across a bridge. It's about 40 minutes to an hour, depending where you're going, traffic, all that sort of stuff. Certainly reasonable to have co-parents living at one in each yep. area. Makes it a little hard in the morning for school, but it happens. Mm-hmm. But when it comes mm-hmm. to extracurricular activities, I'm, I don't know who lived where, but let's say it was dad's weekend. He doesn't want to drive back over to Tampa for soccer practice or the soccer game. Mm-hmm. So he signs up the kid for soccer in St. Pete. Mom signs up the kid for soccer in Tampa. The kid constantly misses practice because on dad's days, he takes him to soccer in St. Pete, misses Tampa practice and vice versa. Probably not allowed to play in games because he's not at practice at any particular at any particular rate. And he's still playing soccer every day. and It's probably exhausting. Exactly. He sat on the bench for every game because he didn't meet the requirement to go to practice. So this is one of those situations that it feels like someone could have, should have stepped in to say, look, parents, we need to communicate over this. That's right. right? We need to figure out a solution. So here's the problem. If you want your kid to practice soccer four days a week and not have the 
benefit of playing in the games, your solution is, is perfectly solution. fine. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But if your kid wants to actually play in the games, someone's going to have to put the kid's interest above their own. And let's try to rework this. Yes, everybody agrees. Driving across the bridge sucks. How do we solve that problem? Maybe we solve that problem, and I'm just being creative here. It's mm -hmm. Dad's Tuesday. Kid has soccer in Tampa. Mom's responsible for getting the kid to soccer in Tampa, and we'll pick up the kid and drive across the bridge and meet Dad at whatever place so the traffic isn't as much. Right? You both can share in the burden of driving. I stress to my parents and my clients, some of the best quality time I ever had with my kid was in the car. They can't go anywhere. Right. They're belted in. And if you can get them off the cell phone, you got a chance. Yeah. Right. Yeah, right. But that's what a parent coordinator might do. Well, and because it's, I mean, it's in the name, right? I mean, a parent coordinator is the one when parents appear to have their needs in mind first. It's the parent coordinator, check me when I start lying, who is focused on the kid. That's right. And they're focused on the parents, on how they communicate with each other. Because ultimately, the parent coordinator isn't making the decision, nor should be, on Tampa versus St. Pete soccer. Right. That's not their business. What they're saying is, how do we communicate about this and how do we get to a decision? Seth, according to the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism, about 10% of children live with a parent with an alcohol use disorder. You see that far too often, I imagine. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't see it going away. So if it's not going to go away, let's figure out how we're going to deal with it. What are the things that, are, that you look for in helping a separating parent with an allegation of alcohol abuse in the family? What are you looking to help them do? Show that it's not happening. It's simple. It's going to be a he said, she said. There'll be pictures and allegations. Oh, you know, I find bottles of alcohol in the ma underneath the mattress. I, I, they're out at a soccer game and in their um, tumbler is booze, not water. Like you're going to hear all this sort of stuff. They're going to bring out all these other people to say what a drinker you are. Let's stop the he said, she said. Let's stop the litigation on this matter. Get on to Soberlink, which is third party real-time independent verification on whether you've been drinking. It's a little device that you hold, you blow into it, it does your blood alcohol content, your BAC in real time. It takes a photo of you and all my agreements and all my proposed court orders, I say that photo can only be used for litigation purposes and is confidential information that can't be shared because you're not going to be posting that of your co-parent on social media. But what it does is glitch you, the one being accused of not being able to control your alcohol consumption, to show to the court, when I'm with my kids, I'm not drinking. And it's more important for me to be with them than to have a drink. And here it is. So you can take everything she said, Judge. It doesn't matter because I'm going to show you I am sober. This is a wonderful tool, and it's a wonderful partner of this show, Soberlink. Uh, there are two models. One's a cellular model. If you're in the United States, you don't even need to connect it to a phone. It just works. Uh, but there is also a, a model that will connect to your phone. So you got your phone in your pocket. You blow into Soberlink, takes a picture, sends it to the people who need to know at the time they need to know it, when you are driving or about to drive your kids. Uh, and so you can get started today. Easy. Soberlink is generously offered 50 bucks off your device. All you have to do is visit Soberlink.com slash toaster. That's Soberlink.com slash toaster to get started today. Our great thanks to Soberlink for sponsoring this show. 
back back me up a little bit. What who assigns a parent coordinator? Who decides a parent coordinator needs to be uh, involved in the divorce? One of two ways: court order. Okay. Pretty easy to get, by the way. Okay. Second is by agreement. Okay. And the reason the parents the parents in in a rational state might say, "Oh." I know we're not generally good at communicating. We should have a rest. Well, you're very generous in how you stated that. <laughs> it's usually I, the lawyer saying, you need someone else other than me to go to court and fight about this stuff. The judge is going to yeah. deal with this stuff. We're not set up to it. Judges have 700 cases. Yeah, right. We got to get these problems solved quicker. And then it always becomes about the money. Who pays for the parent coordinator? That's the next question. So what we do a lot in our orders is it might be by percentage of income. It might be 50-50, but there's mm-hmm. allowed to be a reallocation if one parent is stirring the pot. If you're the problem, you're going to be paying. Interesting. Yep, because what happens a lot is one person will keep calling the parent coordinator, problem, problem, problem from the other side. They're being irrational. They're not doing this. They're not doing that. They get the other person on the side and they say, here's the email I sent. I used the steps that you told me to. I did bullet point fashion. I was brief, informative, friendly, and firm. Our BIF method we've talked about previously. Sure. I didn't. I I said thank you at the end. I said I appreciate your thoughts on those matters. Here was my three different solutions. None of them were good. And then I got railed for being a rat. You know all this stuff. Yeah. Right. Parent coordinator says, "Dude, you're paying for this one." Yeah. This the the uh, the co-parent did their job right, right, and I've gone to court okay. where I've had it in court where literally the parent coordinator says I am not taking this case anymore because this parent totally overruns the system, doesn't listen, takes control of the meetings, won't calm down, and I say, Judge, okay, we'll go to another parent coordinator. But now this parent coordinator has to get up to speed again. I want that guy paying the first five grand. Judges ordered that before. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of the judge, what is the ongoing relationship between the parent coordinator and the court? Particularly assuming that a court-ordered parent coordinator is involved in the divorce process. In Florida, depending on what how your order is stated, whether it's agreed order or not, because remember, court is limited on what they can do but they're much more broader in being able to approve an agreement of the parties. So by way of example, if you want to say, hey, I'll pay for my kid's college, in Florida, you're not going to be required to pay for your kid's college. But if you say it, the judge can sign off on it. And now it's a court order. So they just have broader ways to accept your deal. So if you have a deal that says parent coordinator and under statute too, the parent coordinator can come in and give an update to the judge, they're allowed to do that. Which, be careful what you're doing, because that parent coordinator is going to have a lot of say, because that person's probably been in court before, and that judge knows their quality, or or maybe they're not very good, but it's it's a very skillful lawyer to find out the information to show how the parent coordinator got it wrong. Okay. So, that is to say, if, if the parent coordinator... They're watching, right? Like part of the process of conflict mediation and and helping you execute your parenting plan and figuring out the driving schedule and all of those things. They're also watching you and your relationship with your kids. 
Yeah. And if those if those things go south, that might be in a report that ends up in front and of the judge so, and that might change some not things. Not so much right? the relationship with the kids because they might not be talking to the kids, but yeah. they can see what's happening, right? Yeah. They can see who's being rational and reasonable. And sometimes, and this is okay, there can be two different rational approaches. People can have rational differences on how to parent. But it's when it becomes such a conflict between the parents that neither one can step back and say, all right, let's try this way for a while and then do this. Sometimes yeah. it's about medication. Sometimes it's about COVID. Sometimes it's about, like we talked about, extracurriculars. Sometimes it's about, no, I don't think they need a tutor. No, I don't think they need to go to this doctor mm -hmm. because maybe that parent doesn't want that child labeled, right? Let's okay. just deal with the behaviors. Yeah. So. I'm not saying that's all bad with people doing, but usually when you get to parent coordination, there's just been a lot of conflict that's not set up for the court system to handle. What beyond this sort of like mediating conflict and helping this the actual coordination, what else can can co-parents expect from their parent coordinator? Are they, uh, you know, can we expect, I don't know, like classes, education? They can do that, uh, but what I would ask the, the parent coordinator to do is when we have a meeting, let's have an agenda to the meeting and let's stick to the agenda. Okay. That prevents people from hijacking the meeting. Sure. Right? Don't tell me yeah. about something that happened last night. If it's not on the agenda, we'll talk about it next week. Uh, what counts, uh, just a just kind of final question in our little parent coordination 101, what what specifically counts as a as a red flag? Like you would, if, if you were a parent coordinator and you're watching some behavior, is there some sort of, uh, you know, trigger warning that's going to give you something to worry about? Yeah, it's usually a mental health professional that you're dealing with anyway. So mm -hmm. signs of domestic violence, signs of drug addiction, alcohol addiction, any of that sort of stuff. Always watching. Yep. Always watching. Yep. So we actually have a question. Can we transition to a question? Let's do it. All right. This one comes in from Aaron. Speaking of parenting, we just started down the official divorce process filed on April 1. So just for context, we are recording this. It is still in April of uh, 2023. So Aaron filed on April 1. Also just found out that I am pregnant. I'm not sure how this might impact the divorce process, but I was just out with a girlfriend for dinner and she told me horror stories she's heard of judges not allowing divorces in this case. We don't have any questions around who the parent is. I want the child. I don't want the husband. Thanks in advance. Um, congratulations. And also, seriously, can't have a divorce. OK, great question. Definitely check with your local jurisdiction. Get with a lawyer. Okay. This is potentially one of the most disjointed areas of family law. Seriously? Yes. This feels so easy. This is why I'm not a lawyer. Yeah. So one of the questions that you ask that the court has to take testimony on in Florida to the, a female getting a divorce are you currently pregnant? Okay. To the point where I have been in court, Pete, representing clients that are above the age of 60, where the court has to look at my female client and say, ma'am, are you currently pregnant? Okay. Goodness. Yes. Above Thanks. the age of 70, I've seen it. 
Fertility science is amazing. No judgment. (laughs) You never know. So here's, here's the deal. In Florida, a child born of a marriage, intact marriage, there is a presumption that the husband, or in really now the spouse, right, the husband, is the biological father. Okay. We, and, all and know, this, and we all know that could not be the case. Particularly a, if you're leading up to a divorce. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right, okay. And as this listener said, says, we all know who the husband is. Yeah, who, That's yeah, who the not father is. In, right. Yes, who the father is. Yeah. Excuse me. We all know who the father is. Yeah. I want the child. I don't want the husband. How is a independent finder of fact supposed to verify that? that statement judge we all agree he's the dad okay get divorced we're gonna get a parenting plan they have not done a dna test on that kid so some judges i have heard i haven't had this case will abate the case on parenting (gasps) until they'll just say no kid has to be born first to do the parenting they might they might make you drag this on for nine months wow so when that happens i try to get in there right away i might bifurcate the case try to get them divorced i will do anything i can to like not have this problem right so yes i don't know where this person is located in what state you've got to get to a lawyer and get that answer quickly it sounds like that's the number one bit of advice is act more quickly than you might think you should. Yes. Yes. That is, that's mind blowing. I've, I've had clients who have been pregnant. I've gotten them divorced. We haven't had this issue. So there is yeah. hope. Yeah. Um, and the law on paternity is really where it's a quagmire because let's say this child is born during the marriage before you're divorced. You're going through mm-hmm. the process, but the child's born. Yeah. But not this, this situation. It's a different father. It's not your husband. Yeah. There was all this crazy law that's starting to get cleaned up a bit, but it, it's a complicated area of law. And my crazy area of law where it used to be, if the child was born to an intact marriage and you are the actual biological father, historically, you were not even allowed to bring a lawsuit to raise your child because it was born to an intact marriage. You don't have standing. Wow. Yeah, it's changed, but it's crazy area of law. It, yeah. it is it is conflict within the cases all the time. The statute isn't necessarily as clear as it needs to be. So go see a lawyer. Try to get this resolved as quickly as possible. Act quick. Wow. Aaron, thank you for writing in. Congratulations on the pregnancy and act now. Uh, I'm sorry that this question is answered so late from <laughs> for you so uh definitely act now thank you very much if you have questions please send them our way we would love to hear from you we'll get seth uh, put seth on the spot again and uh, ask those questions just head over to howtosplitatoaster.com and uh, it'll take you right to a place you'll see a button that says ask a question click that type in your question we'll get an answer from the show uh, thank you, Seth. As always, uh, so appreciate you teaching me uh, this uh, entire episode, Parent Coordination 101. I love these little episodes and um, look forward to whatever comes next 
On behalf of Seth Nelson, you know him, America's favorite divorce attorney, I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next time right here on How to Split a Toaster, a divorce podcast about saving your relationships. Seth Nelson is an attorney with NLG Divorce and Family Law with offices in Tampa, Florida. While we may be discussing family law topics, How to Split a Toaster is not intended to, nor is it providing legal advice. Every situation is different. If you have specific questions regarding your situation, please seek your own legal counsel with an attorney licensed to practice law in your jurisdiction. Pete Wright is not an attorney or employee of NLG Divorce and Family Law. Seth Nelson is licensed to practice law in Florida.